0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas, Merry Advents. Um, this is the third week of Advents. Although, uh, if you are a rule follower, it's actually the second week of Advent. But we like to, you know, keep you on your toes here at Discovery. So we're in week three. And uh, thinking about joy as the worship team and and Kelly and Lexi just uh, helped kind of prepare us for that in the lighting of the candle. If you have a Bible, you can meet me in Luke chapter 1 as we continue this conversation. By the way, my name is Steve and I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to be together as we celebrate Advent this December. So Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 67, although we're going to be all over chapter 1 in our in our time together here this morning. Verse 67, his father Zechariah, his here is John the Baptist. If you're familiar with the, the uh, New Testament story, the, the Jesus story, John the Baptist was the forerunner, right? The one who prepared the way for Jesus's ministry. His father Zechariah, after his birth, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people And redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenants, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, and to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness. And righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you would... Take all that we bring in here, as we often pray during this time of the year, there's just a lot going on it, in our lives, our families, our work, our relationships, the stuff tied to our past as we enter into a, a season of connecting with, with, uh, with people. Uh, Advent can bring up all sorts of stuff. So we begin by naming that, God, we ask you to hold that for us so that we can be fully here, fully present, ready to receive from you whatever you want to give to us this morning. God, would you give us the capacity to hear, to receive, to take in what it is that you want to say? And then would you give us the courage to respond in whatever ways we need to respond. And everybody said, amen. All right, quick recap of Advent so far. So week one, Pastor Antonio did a great job of of leading us into this season, leading us into this conversation, talking about hope, right? Hope is, is the sort of week one theme of Advent. He showed us how hope is not a guarantee of success, but rather it is this sustaining vision for a better future that is often birthed in the midst of difficulty, right, in the midst of darkness. The better it's rooted in a vision for a better future in the midst of darkness. Last week, Andrea, one of our elders, invited us to consider the biblical vision for peace, right? This is the second theme of Advent, peace or shalom. And in particular, she helped us see that peace comes not, again, through, through the absence of negative things. It's, it's not this sort of like, oh, nothing bad has happened in my life so I can experience peace. Rather the opposite. Peace is active, right? It's about participating in what God is doing, participating in God's kingdom. And what we are seeing so far is we're at the halfway point here in the Advent season. What we are seeing so far is that these conversations, these Advent conversations, actually connect very much to our bigger theme for the year here as a church family, which has been this quest to explore what it means for us to be good neighbors. Right, what does it look like for us, Discovery Christian Church, to be good neighbors in Davis, California, on campus, in our neighborhoods, in the surrounding areas, the places that God has us? What does it look like for us to love God with everything we've got and to love our neighbors as ourselves? Part of good neighboring is understanding this truth, okay, that God does not need us to do things for him. Right, that God has not created us to be worker bees that just sort of carry out his marching orders. But rather that God created us to be in relationship with him. And so we don't do these things. We don't do a bunch of stuff to, to get God to approve of us or, or to sort of further God's plans. But rather God is with us already in the things that we are doing. God is with us already in the things that we are doing. And this is a subtle but hugely important shift because so much of the the teaching and the theology, at least that I hear in the church, tends to be, hey, do more stuff. Right, right, work a little harder, show up at this thing, participate in this event, serve in this way, read this book, buy my Christian thing, and like God will show up and your life will get better. When in fact the story of Scripture is the story of the God who wants to be close. Right? The God who takes the initiative to move towards who's not waiting for us to do stuff so he can show up. The God who is with us is what the story of Scripture is about. It's what the season of Advent is all about. Right? And so God doesn't need us to show up here on Sunday morning or pray more or read the Bible more or whatever those things are. Those are all really good things that can't help us experience God and grow in relationship with God. But he does not need us to do those things So that he can show up. Rather, God is already with us. Right? Scripture says he first loved us. This is the story of a God who wants to be close. So we begin with this premise that God is already here. God is with us. And so then the journey of faith is one of discovering. Wink, wink. The journey of faith is one of discovering, of noticing, oh, God is here. God is in this place. And maybe I wasn't aware of it. Maybe I, I hadn't seen it yet, but God is already here. This is what Advent is all about. right? The truth that God comes to us as one of us, this baby, fully God, but also fully human, living a life of birth and growth and developments and ultimately of death, right? Giving his life for us on that cross. Reality called resurrection. So these Advent themes that we hit every year, hope, peace, Joy, love, they're, they're not just nice ideas or, or cute words to put on a Christmas card. These are truths. These are realities that are accessible in our everyday lives because God is with us. Right? This is good news. This is the good news, right? As we sing voices. Right, and the good news that God is with us. Now, speaking of weary, and you don't need to raise your hands here, but how many of you are tired? How many of you are tired? There's one. Probably more than one of us. Australian reporter, Georgia York, this is an article that came out over the summer. She notes that if it feels like we are more tired now than ever, it's because we are a right, groundbreaking statement <laughs> adults are twice as likely to be experiencing constant exhaustion as they were 20 years ago according to a Pew research study same study shows that burnout is also at record highs with 52% of adults reporting feelings of chronic exhaustion and anxiety over the past year we're tired now, there are different kinds of tiredness. Maybe you are physically tired, and there's, there's, like, different sides of this, right? Like, there's the physically tired of, like, I just worked out, which is actually kind of a nice physically tired, at least in my opinion. But then there's, like, the physically tired of I haven't slept enough, uh, I haven't been eating well, or whatever those things are, right? Where you can feel that your body is not 100%. Maybe you're emotionally tired. Maybe you've been carrying some stress, dealing with difficult people, having a lot of hard conversations, maybe even parenting. Maybe you're emotionally tired. Maybe you're mentally tired. Right? All the students said, Amen. Studying, working on a big project. Maybe you're in the midst of processing a major decision. You're tapped out mentally, right? Or perhaps you are spiritually tired. We're going to talk more about this one here in just a moment. There are all these different ways that we can be tired. And when we are tired, and this is just me speaking from my own personal experience, but when we are tired, one of the first things to go is joy. When we're tired, one of the first things to go is joy. And this is is an issue I would even say this is dangerous because joy is so intimately connected to loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. As the Old Testament writer says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so the question for us this morning is, in a place of tiredness and fatigue, what does it look like to experience the joy of the Lord that is our strength? I think Zechariah's story, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, their story has a lot to speak to this. So again, if you have your Bible open, Luke chapter 1, we, we started in verse 67, which is Zechariah's song. One of the interesting things in Luke chapter 1 is as people, namely Mary and Zechariah, have these incredible experiences where God breaks in and tells them, hey, you're part of this big salvation story that I am telling. One of their almost immediate responses to that is to sing. And again, I want you to hold on to that thought because we will come back to it here in just a moment. But let's start now in verse 5, where we are introduced to Zechariah for the first time. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest. A priest, so someone who led the people in worship. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. That seems pretty good. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, first thing I want us to see here is Luke names the larger political context. He's, he's not super overt about this, but he does it several times in the first couple chapters of his account of the life of Jesus because one of the things that Luke wants his readers, his original audience to see is this contrast that he will uh, leaders and the telling of the story. The, this contrast between the political uh, leaders and powers of that day and age and King Jesus. They are very different is the short Cliff Notes version of that story. So here we're introduced to Herod. Chapter 2, we're introduced to Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, the authority of all authorities, who, by the way, was considered to be divine and oftentimes referred to as Lord or Son of God. Which is interesting. Chapter 1, we're introduced to Herod. Herod was a, a puppet ruler installed by Rome as a sort of political favor to the people of Israel hey you can still have your king and kind of pretend like you have a kingdom but you know he's kind of our guy and in our pocket and we're still very much in charge but Herod had some power and authority this is the same Herod who later on will kill a bunch of baby boys around Bethlehem because he's paranoid that a new king of the Jews has been born okay so not a good guy Right? Again, Luke tells us these little bits of information to set the context and to begin to demonstrate how different King Jesus is going to be from. These other kings. So that's the political backdrop, and it's there that we're introduced to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Both are from the tribe of Israel. The way the Old Testament story goes is that God begins to do His redemptive salvation work through a man named Abraham. Says, "Hey, your family is going to be a blessing to all the other families." That family grows. And eventually they sort of organize themselves into 12 tribes. The tribe of Aaron becomes the, the, the tribe from which the, the Levites or the priests, the people who lead the community in worship, come from. And so this is Zechariah's background, also his wife Elizabeth. They're worship leaders. right? They're, they're, they're people who have been given this responsibility to lead Israel in to worship. And they both have very interesting names. Zechariah's name means God remembers, and Elizabeth's name literally means God is an oath. Both of their names communicate God is reliable, God is faithful. And so here you have these two reminders physical embodied people who remind the the community they're leading in worship through their names. These two reminders of God's faithfulness, God's reliability. They're just going about their very quiet but righteous lives under the rule of oppressive Rome and murderous Herod. And there's a very important truth here for us, which is that God does a lot, most of his important redemptive work through obscure but faithful and righteous people. God does much of his important and redemptive work through obscure but faithful and righteous people. Now, that being said, in our full humanness, there is a spiritual fatigue like you've overlooked. We're told that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old and that Elizabeth was barren. And I think that Luke does a really interesting thing here. He he maybe even goes, I think, a bit overboard in his description of them. Right? Righteous, blameless in the sight of the Lord, because I think he's pushing on some buttons. Barrenness would have been interpreted as evidence that something is not right here. Right? Evidence of sin unrighteousness. Obviously you did something wrong. That's why you have not been able to conceive. And so this description of Zechariah and Elizabeth, it would have caused some cognitive dissonance for the average Israelite. Hey wait, they're they're blameless and righteous and doing the right thing and they're worship leaders but they can't have kids. This doesn't make sense to us. How does this work? But Luke's point here, which by the way is very much in line with the overwhelming teaching of scripture, his point is that being good never guarantees that you get good results. The good news of Scripture, the good news of Jesus is not that if you are good enough, good things will happen to you. In fact, oftentimes the the stories of Scripture reveal that, that it's almost the opposite. Right? That some of the most upright, blameless, righteous people go through some of the most difficult things in Scripture. Sometimes you do everything right and you are old and barren and overlooked and you feel forgotten. Even if your name means, God remembers. God is faithful. Now, barrenness is a theme in Scripture. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, so going all the way back again to the beginning of the story. Hannah, who becomes the mother of Samuel. Elizabeth here, who will become the mother of John the Baptist. All of them We're not able to conceive. Now the takeaway here is not, hey, just wait long enough and God will give you what you want. The takeaway here is this. God loves impossible situations. God loves impossible situations. The story of Scripture, again, is all about God overcoming the the longest of odds, the most incredible circumstances to bring about salvation And redemption, which is where this story is going. But here at the beginning, I want us to feel the fatigue of Zechariah and Elizabeth. That tiredness that comes with doing the right thing and not getting what you want. God, I'm serving you. I'm leading these people in worship. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm blameless. I'm righteous. And things are still hard. What's up with that? Anybody been there? This might be me reading too much into the text, but I I do wonder if Zechariah and Elizabeth were suffering from a deficit of joy. Things had not gone the way that they expected. And so in this place, right, just going through the routine, yet another time for Zechariah to go to the temple and do the thing that he was supposed to do. He sort of by luck ends up being the one who's, who's going to go in to light the incense. And it's in that place that an angel of the Lord appears to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. This is a very common response to seeing an angel pop up in your everyday life. If you keep reading here through the story, the angel reveals himself as Gabriel, tells Zechariah, you're going to have a son. Zechariah doesn't believe it, and there's a consequence for that. He does not get to speak again until the son is born. But what a surprise. What an unexpected turn of events for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, now watch the language here. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. What I want us to see here, two things. One, in, in the midst of their faithful, overlooked lives, something new and fresh interrupts the old pattern. Something new and fresh interrupts the old pattern, and the response is joy. And then second, joy comes not because they got what they wanted. Joy comes because they receive God's surprising, saving, tender mercy. This is... This is what we see, I think, reflected in Zechariah's song. When he can finally speak again, he bursts out into a song. And it's interesting because there's all these things going on in this psalm, all of them having to do with the big Advent themes, right? There's hope about living under oppression, There's peace that comes from trusting the big story of salvation that God is telling. We see the power of remembering who God is and what he has done, which connects back to their names. And we see the joy of receiving the tender mercy of God. This is mentioned two times in the song. God surprised Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he interrupted their fatigue with his tender mercy. He reminded them of his goodness and the truth that new things can come out of the old. Right? This is a foreshadowing of the gospel, Right, that resurrection is possible. That God loves impossible situations. Life comes from death. That God's mercy really is new every morning. And so I want us for a moment to just sort of sit with that truth. Some of the things that we've talked about here today. Are you tired? In what ways are you tired? What does it look like for you this Advent, 2023? What does it look like for you this Advent to receive the tender mercy of God? As we open ourselves up to receiving his tender mercy, may you be filled with joy. The joy that comes from being surprised. Oh, I did not see that coming. God, you are still up to something. You are still at work. Every, every teaching, I hope, it is a gift for you, but it's also a gift for me. As, as I spend days and weeks thinking about this stuff and preparing for this stuff, there's always certain teachings that sort of hit a little bit different. And, and this one was, was one of those for me. Because, because Zechariah is old and he's tired. I, I resonate with that. And because I mean, being honest, this has been a hard fall. I am by uh, some of the progress that we've made, things that are unfolding here, and and. Very excited about turning the calendar to January and talking about uh, where we're going and and what things are going to look like for us in the next year. But it's been a hard fall. And that spiritual fatigue of Zechariah as I was getting ready for this teaching, again, I was just like feeling it. And when he goes through this and he sees God show up and he's surprised and God remembers him and he experiences God in this new and fresh way, he sings. And at the heart of his song is this phrase, the mercy of God, right? The tender mercy of God. And I'm like, oh, I I need that. I need that. And so I want us to, to sort of sit in that place here for a moment as we come to the communion table, the, this posture of receiving. And so sometimes when we receive, uh, maybe we need to hear something, we, we need to be told something, we need to be encouraged in some way. There's all kinds of different ways that we can receive, though, and one of those is through the communion table. This is one of the reasons why we, we, we gather around the table each Sunday is to remember what God has done for us, right? His saving work, his tender mercy that he's demonstrated for us through his son, Jesus Christ. His death and his resurrection. His body and his blood. Right? The work that he has done to be with us. To come close. But I also wanted you guys to receive this morning by having some truth sung over you. Sometimes we just need to hear it in a different way. So I'll have the band come back, and actually Marla is going to sing uh, over us this morning. These are some old words, um, an old hymn, but just some deep truth that I hope you receive today as a reminder, uh, as a reminder of God's tender mercy that he extends to us. And as you receive, may again... In that place of tiredness and maybe feeling a little worn out, may you receive this as good news and may joy come in. Right? May joy come in as you receive the good news. Let me pray and then Marla's going to sing over us and then when she's done singing, you're welcome to come and take communion. Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would meet us in this moment. We know and celebrate the good news that you are here and that you are with us. But sometimes we need to be reminded in different ways. And so maybe that's the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Maybe that's the communion table. Maybe that's this this song that will be sung over us. Maybe it's a conversation with someone. Would you surprise us once again with your tender mercy? And wherever we are at this morning, may the response be one of, of joy. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.